This is a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. Go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Dirt Radio. Organic. Friends of the Earth. Activism. Underground. Political action. Necessary. Wind farms. Indigenous struggles. Land rights. Anti-nuclear. Nanotechnology. Climate change. Coal barons. Mining magnates. Activists. Educating. Communities. Transforming. Communities. Mobilising a sustainable planet. Get involved now. Friends of the Earth. Friends of the Earth. Friends of the Earth. Dirt Radio. I'll tell you a story, an eight-year-long story of power and pride. British Lord Vesti, convincing Lingari, we're opposite men on opposite sides. Vesti was fat, with money and muscle. Beef was his business, broad was his door. Vincent was lean and spoke very little He had no bank balance, hard dirt was his floor From little things, big things grow From little things, big things grow And uh, you're with Dirt Radio. Hey, good morning. John here with you for another Monday. And that was, of course, Paul Kelly from Little Things, Big Things Grow, So He Sings. What a good way to start Dirt Radio this week, because from Little Things, Big Things Do Grow. Friends of the Year celebrated its 40th birthday last year, and this week there's a big bang-up birthday party The party was supposed to be happening last year, but they were too busy campaigning to actually organize it. So a belated 40th birthday bash is on this Friday, and it's starting at 7.30. There may be a few tickets left. You've got to go online, so check out the full website, and there may be a few tickets, but I've heard they're well and truly selling out. 40 years, well, to be exact, 41 and Foe's been still making significant contributions to the environment and environment environmental campaigning. And that's a remarkable achievement, to be sure. When you get to be 40, the big four, zero, lots of people around us tend to have these things called midlife crisis. Uh, and they start to ask questions like, where have I been? What does it all mean? And where am I going? And who cares anyway? Friends of the Earth is having none of that, I can assure you. They're just getting bigger and more energized and more relevant as the years roll on. And this is especially the case since the election of the Abbott government, which which seems to be hell-bent on pushing back any serious environmental safeguards that have been established over a long period of time. And, of course, the results of long periods of campaigning as well. Nuclear energy and uranium mining in Australia have always been central to the concerns of Friends of the Earth, and they've always been central campaign areas as well. With us today 
On Dirt Radio is Jim Green. Jim's a longtime national anti-nuclear campaigner with Friends of the Earth. He's got a background in public health and science and technology studies. He also happens to be the current editor of Foe's Foe's magazine, Chain Reaction, which, if you haven't seen it yet, has some really interesting articles on the history of Foe in Australia and some of their standout campaigns. Jim, hi. How are you this morning? Yeah, well, thanks, John. Good, and uh, congratulations. Uh, Well done for the current issue of... of, um, uh, chain reaction. Thanks. Look, I wanted to just start with something uh, that was in the magazine, which I got, have to say I didn't really know about, but maybe you could enlighten us a, li- a little bit. In the chain reaction historical overview, it lists 1974 as a pivotal year uh, for uh, for campaigning, and also a pivotal year for foe uh, in terms of meeting together. Can you tell us a bit about that? Um, there were Friends of the Earth groups established a bit earlier than 1974 on Adelaide University, for example, and one or two others, but 1974 was pivotal because that was the first national gathering of Friends of the Earth, and that took place on French Island in Victoria, which was the proposed site of a nuclear power reactor. Uh, so that the nuclear issues have been central right from the start of uh, Friends of the Earth in Australia and all around the world, for that matter. And they continue to be. So there's just such a long history. I'm not sure how much you want to cover, but all those battles in the 1970s over nuclear power and into the 80s, the Roxby Downs uranium mine was such a massive battle then and into the 1990s with the successful struggle against Jabaluka and unsuccessful struggles against uh, other mines like Beverly in South Australia. I think uh, one of the things that I guess is interesting for me, and I have to say, I I I was living here. You you can hear from my accents. I'm not I'm not originally from Australia, but seventy four. I don't remember the seventy four um, seventy four the proposal to set up a, a nuclear uh, reactor in uh, in Victoria. Well, there were lots of proposals around that time through the 50s and into the 70s they pretty much dried up into the 1980s but at various stages various state governments were planning to build nuclear power plants but uh, all of those plans came to nothing for one reason or another either because of public opposition or because the economics didn't make sense but I should also briefly mention the one serious national proposal for nuclear power in Australia and that was in the late 1960s when uh, John Gorton was the Prime Minister and he planned to build a a nuclear power reactor at Jervis Bay, which is uh, ACT land, but it's off the coast of New South Wales. And uh, the reason I think that's significant is that John Gorton later acknowledged that there was a hidden weapons agenda Mm -hmm. behind that plan for a nuclear power reactor at Jervis Bay. And uh, that's one of the main reasons why FOA was always campaigned against this industry, because whether you like it or not, the uh, supposedly peaceful nuclear power industry can easily be put to put to use building weapons of mass destruction. Yes, and uh, l- let me just take you to your own uh, biography in terms of foe. When was your first introduction to Friends of the Earth? Well, I came across Friends of the Earth during a uh, well, two campaigns really in the uh, late nineteen nineties and into the two thousands. One was an unsuccessful campaign to stop uh, a new nuclear research reactor being built at Lucas Heights uh, in southern Sydney and another was a successful campaign and that was to stop 
nuclear waste being dumped on Aboriginal land in South Australia and Friends of the Earth was doing fantastic work then in all sorts of different ways, but in particular a nuclear free waste campaign which was linking Lucas Heights to the proposed dump site on Aboriginal land in South Australia and that was uh, an incredibly difficult campaign for Foe and an awful lot of hard work, but it was also very creative and very successful and, and played a significant role in stopping that nuclear waste dump going ahead. So, Can you recall a little bit of what was going on at the time in terms of your actual introduction? I, this is, uh, we're trying to sort of, I guess, unpick some of the, some of the historical moments in, in terms of your own biography. Um, you were talking about some of the creative things that were going on. What, 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 what? Can you explain a bit of that? Yeah, well, I think the the entire conception of the nuclear freeways campaign was very creative. I mean, I don't think if Fo had thought it up and and implemented that project, that no one else would have even considered it, let alone gone ahead with all the hard work that it entailed. And it was creative because it linked the site of the waste, which is Lucas Heights, to the destination of that waste which was Aboriginal land in South Australia and it brought so many other communities into play so whereas uh, southern Sydney was certainly concerned about the reactor and residents of northern South Australia were certainly concerned about a proposed nuclear waste dump the free waste campaign brought millions of other Australians into this campaign because they were also at risk from uh, the nuclear transport corridors so Western mm. Sydney, the Blue Mountains and all those communities through New South Wales mm. and South Australia and 16 of the 18 councils along that proposed transport corridor, uh, they registered their opposition and that helped generate the momentum for a New South Wales parliamentary inquiry which was very significant and very positive and put all that together with a, a range of other problems that the federal government faced with its plan for a nuclear waste dump and in the end the Howard government gave up on that a dump project on July the 14th, 2004, just ahead of the federal election. So, yeah, that was a very significant moment for Foe and the environment movement, but not least for the Cooper Pedy Kunga who were the Aboriginal women who were leading that campaign. Hmm. And, uh, look, I, I was going to... You're, you're sort of preempting me here a little bit because my, my, uh, I was going to move on to not the past but the future because... I think you preempted this a little bit, but let's jump into it. Um, you're saying about uh, South Australia. Now, my understanding is that there there is a revived plan for this kind of stuff. Yeah, that's right. The uh, South Australian Labor government has initiated a royal commission, and they're looking into expanding the state's role in the nuclear fuel cycle. At the moment, it's just uranium mining, so they're considering uranium enrichment and also nuclear power. And last but not least, they seem very keen on the idea of hosting an international high-level nuclear waste dump uh, as a revenue raiser. But um, hmm. there's a long way to go with those debates. But the first public opinion poll found that uh, only one out of six South Australians want the state to become the world's hmm. nuclear waste dump. <laughs> okay. So they've got a big fight ahead of them, I think. <laughs> what? Where, where are these ideas coming from? Is it simply... Uh, I mean, is it is it partly expedient? I know there's, uh, you know, there is uranium mining in Australia, but also uh, kind of political expedience as well. Yeah, the uh, manufacturing industries are in trouble in South Australia, so there's certainly con- some concern about the economy and some idea that you could uh, uh, that you could solve those problems, if only in part through hmm. uranium enrichment, which is an economic non-starter, but. So 
something that is theoretically possible is importing high-level nuclear waste and turning a profit from that. But uh, just because they can turn a profit from it, it doesn't mean that it's a good idea or that it will be uh, politically acceptable in the, in the public domain. Something I was going to ask you about, just to go back to your discussion of the uh, the connection that uh, Foe was able to make between Lucas Heights and the uh, dump in South Australia in, in terms of communities. This was sort of, I, I just turn it to uh, issues of communication. A lot of campaigning clearly has to do with communication and stuff. Was that a period when the internet for campaigning was 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 around? My, my sense is that the anti-nuclear campaigning for Foe was, is quite... Um, quite diverse, has a number of different centers around the country. The question I was going to ask you, because you're, you have been involved in it, how do you pull those communities together into a, into a I guess, a kind of a, a grouping that has solidarity? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, if you go back to uh, this South Australian nuclear waste dump campaign, then that was relatively early days for the internet and so on. And uh, I can remember my first ever phone call on a mobile phone. That was 2003. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was a different era. But um, what Friends of the Earth was doing in those days was uh, very much old style. It was face-to-face meetings. So this nuclear freeways project involved countless trips along that transport corridor, which is 2,000 k's or thereabouts from Sydney to the uh, mm-hmm. centre of South Australia. And... That, that hard work was necessary and there was no way that uh, New Age communications were going to get around those difficulties or the need for all that hard work because they had to get to know people in local communities and local towns across this transport corridor and to build up uh, the knowledge of those communities and to build up trust between environmentalists and, and uh, rural towns where they'd never seen Friends of the Earth before. So... There was no substitute for that hard work of getting out on that transport corridor on countless occasions and sleeping in swags on the side of the road and and doing it uh, old style. Uh, look, it's uh, it, I, I guess we could talk about this quite a lot, but I, it seems to me that Foe, one of the things that Friends of the Earth really excels at is that connection, making connections between communities and doing the hard yards, I guess you could say, um, actually spending time with people. Uh, there, there's a lot of debate these days about how how campaigning works, and I'm sure you've heard the term clicktivist, and, and there's lots of uh, petitions and so on that go come to me. I, I'm sure they come to you as well. But basically, you're, I guess what you're saying is suggesting is that the face-to-face work is, is extremely central. Yeah, absolutely. So at the moment... Uh our main response to this South Australian Royal Commission is to help to organise a meeting which will take place in Port Augusta in a fortnight's time and that's going to bring together as many Aboriginal people from across South Australia as possible in one location to have a good long talk over a couple of days about how to respond to this and yeah there's absolutely no substitute whatsoever I mean especially when you're talking about remote Aboriginal communities their access to the internet is either nil or very limited Mm. And familiarity with a lot of these technologies is also pretty limited. So, yeah, there's there's no alternative whatsoever to uh, to the face to face work. And um, just in terms of your your um, your career with uh, Friends of the Earth, again, just sort of pulling pulling a bit of history into it. <clears throat> what would you say was the in terms of uh, challenges? What was the biggest challenge? What's been the biggest challenge for you in your campaign work? 
it's highs and lows. You know, we've had some fantastic victories. The Chapaluka uranium victory was unbelievable, the South Australian dump victory, and we haven't mentioned it, but just last year, after eight years of really hard work, there was a massive victory with the Muckety tradition liners mm. um, uh, defeating the federal government's plan for a nuclear waste dump on their land in the Northern Territory. So those victories are what helps to sustain us. But on the flip side of that, we've had some really ugly losses as well. Lucas Heights, where we just worked incredibly hard and had a fantastic local c- campaign in southern Sydney, but uh, the, ha- the Howard Coalition government won four elections in a row and that killed us, and so that reactor went ahead. And Beverly fo- uh, Uranium Mine in South Australia, that was also a really ugly defeat and very depressing and very divisive for the local Aboriginal community. Mm. Uh, so we've just got to learn to work our way through these defeats and uh, to stand up again and dust ourselves off and keep fighting. Is, do you think there's, uh, from from when you first got involved to now, do you think, I'm not sure whether you can answer this question, but do you think there's been a shift of perspective or approach or recruiting methods that your campaigns have been using? Well, uh, not really. I, have, I couldn't say I can point to any fundamental differences, but I have to say it's pretty hard, not just for the anti-nuclear movement, but for the broader environment movement and for social movements more generally it's uh getting more difficult to um to build significant social movements against uh environmental and social atrocities uh but you know i think that worm will turn over a longer period of time Mm. and you know for friends of the earth i'm not familiar with the entire history over 40 years but you know there have certainly been highs and lows and no guarantee whatsoever that an organization could survive for 40 long years, especially a grassroots organisation that, that sustains itself on next to no income. So it is quite a remarkable achievement. And look, the, finally, just, you've actually sort of uh, foreshadowed my last uh, question to you is, or the one of the last ones is uh, the 40th birthday is coming up. And as you've just said, there's lots of environmental groups out there, um, some bigger, some smaller. What makes FOE, do you think, unique and gives it such staying power? Probably it's generosity, you might say. Like, uh, there's a lot of competition with the environment movement and uh, some groups are after as much as they can get of of limited funding that's available, either through public donations or government grants or whatsoever. But FOE's never had that approach. It's always been very uh, selfless Mm -hmm. and hardworking and generous and and, uh, happy to, you know, acknowledge the contributions of many other groups in, in campaigns that we've worked on. So... I think there's a general goodwill that arises from that approach over the years, and that probably more than anything has sustained the organisation for such a long period of time. Jim, it's been a pleasure talking to you, and what you've just said, I, I, I would uh, I would second that as well. That's been my experience, and yours is much longer than mine, but I think that gener- generosity of spirit and, and uh, kind of inclusiveness as well, the ability to kind of bring people in. So thanks very much for today and uh, talking to there to longtime anti-nuclear campaigner and coordinator Jim Green. He's also editor of the Friends of the Earth publication, Chain Reaction. And uh, you can pick that up. And if you have got want to get some very interesting historical insights into the history of FOE, be sure to check the magazine out, this, this particular issue. 
We are Dirt Radio, and uh, well, we're we're uh, rolling right along. One, two, three, four, five, breakdown, baby. Subscribe to your award-winning independent community radio, bringing you coverage of community issues and events. This is Bea to Base Camp. Welcome to the Little Red Tulangi Treehouse. As you said, I'm down at the East West Tunnel picket, as it usually does, starts at 5.30 a.m. Uh, the Lincoln Melbourne Authority have come here in the middle of the night and set up another drill rig here on Gold Street. The police were pretty keen to defend that with all their resources this morning. And I think for Australians, in order to know ourselves, really fully know ourselves, in order to mature, we need to understand Aboriginal culture. We need to embrace it and realise that in coming here, you're now part of the longest continuing culture in the world. We need your support. Subscribe today. Call 94198377 now. Friends of the Earth's Radioactive Exposure Tour is on again. Expose yourself to the realities of radioactive racism and the environmental and social impacts of uranium mining, radioactive waste and nuclear expansion. From Saturday 27th of June to Wednesday 8th of July, you can experience desert camping and vegetarian cooking while travelling through the beautiful landscape of Australia. For more information and registration, go to radioactivetour.com. Friends of the Earth is a supporter of 3CR Community Radio. We got the alternative energy. Right. free autonomy. Well, we got the alternative energy. And you are with Friends of the Earth, and uh, we're sponsored by... Uh, sorry, we're with Dirt Radio, and we are sponsored by Friends of the Earth. Well, the two are synonymous, really. And, uh, well, how do you know that FOE is actually doing its job? I'll tell you how. The federal government and the big environmental vandals like the fossil fuel industry, I think, are really worried. The House of Representatives Environment Committee is holding an inquiry into environmental groups who are eligible to receive tax-deductible donations. The chair of that committee assures us that it's not a witch hunt, but it's hard to see that this is anything but another part of the ideological attack on the environment movement being waged by the Abbott government. The coalition government is trying to silence anyone who stands up for the environment. And I'll tell you this, if they take away the tax-deductible status of not just Friends of the Earth, but all the environment groups, all the... NGOs, in fact, um, around around Australia, they are really cutting the lifeline, and uh, I think this is a is a highly ideological move. Um, the coalition government is trying to silence, and as I, as I said before, people that are standing up for the environment. Foe would like you, Friends of the Earth would like you to write a submission to the inquiry. The submissions are due the twenty first of May, uh, later this month. And there is an example of a submission that you can write on the FOE website that gives you a kind of template. What they'd like you to do is, if you can, use that template but change the wording so it sounds like it's coming not as a template but, but actually from, from, from you. Also, if you're connected with any groups that are working or involved with anything to do with community work, and getting tax-deductible status, for example, faith-based groups, social groups, other green groups, please encourage them to write a submission 
basically saying they support the right of green groups, not just Friends of the Earth, but green groups in general, to advocate for their for their causes. Um, one of the things that's come out of all this is that, in fact, this inquiry is essentially at bottom a, a kind of move against democracy, that it's it's shutting down voices, it's shutting down the public discourse. And, uh, of course, Abbott government is very keen to do that kind of thing around the environment movement, but also lots of other things as well. Well, look, that's it for us, Dirt Radio. I'm John, and uh, we'll be back again next week uh, with another Dirt Radio. Of course, we are sponsored by Friends of the Earth. Check out the website. There's lots of information there about the party on Friday night, a few tickets left, and also the... House of Representatives inquiry into the tax-deductible status of particularly Friends of the Earth. That's who they are going after at the moment. 